I'd like to focus on three aspects of today's gospel. The kind of Messiah that Christ revealed himself to be, why he called Peter Satan, is very important, and what that means for our life. Those three things. And I read a book a long time ago that I've never forgotten before I went into seminary. And it was recently made into a movie. It's called Silence. It's about Jesuit missionaries who go into Japan in the 17th century to spread the gospel. And they begin converting many souls. But at one point, many of them apostatize. They renounce the faith. But what was so troubling about the book was the reason that they apostatized. So what happened was many of the faithful, they were kind of rounded up by the government, and then they started being tortured. And the priests were brought in, and, and a picture of Jesus was laid before the ground, an image of Christ. And they said, you have the power to stop their suffering. All you must do is step on this image. If you renounce your faith, you can stop their pain. Just renounce God. And some of them end up doing it. And I don't judge them. I really do not, because I can't imagine how difficult that situation would be. But I do judge the message of the book. Because what the message of the book proclaimed was that they did the right thing. That their renouncing the faith for the love of mankind was good to protect them from suffering. It was a merciful thing to do. And that is not true. And maybe the reason that the message was so troubling is because it's actually a very strong temptation for us, especially for priests, to deny Christ and his teachings in order to protect people from temporary suffering, a false sense of compassion and mercy. And this relates exactly what happened today in today's gospel scene. The kind of Messiah that Christ reveals himself to be and why he called Peter Satan. Right after Christ revealed that he is the Messiah, he revealed what kind of Messiah he was going to be. And it's not the kind that his disciples were hoping for. He's not going to be a political Messiah. He's not going to be a social justice Messiah, a revolutionary Messiah. He is going to be a suffering Messiah. He is going to Jerusalem to die, to offer his life in expiation for the people's sins. And what was Peter's reaction to his proclamation? Far be it from you, Lord. This should never happen. Peter tries to protect Christ from suffering, which seems like a very good thing to do. And what was Peter's response? What was Jesus' response to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. He calls him Satan. Why did our Lord call Peter Satan for trying to protect him? Well, because Peter was doing the very thing that the devil tried to do to Christ in the, in the desert temptations, to separate him from the cross. Become a secular Messiah. Create a utopia. Change stones into bread. Solve world hunger. Take control of governments. Theology is politics. Don't talk about sin. Talk about social issues. Or jump from the parapet. 
Woo the people with miracles and wonders. Just don't go to the cross. Don't suffer. And this gives us an insight to the essence of the diabolical temptation that we all face in life. To choose this life over heaven. To sacrifice heaven for earth. That's why it's said that the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, is very deceptive. Because he'll look and sound just like Jesus, but he'll come without wounds. He'll come without a cross. It's Christ without conversion. Christian virtues without Christ. And it's very deceptive because it seems on the, on the superficial level to be a noble act. It's like uh, Judas. When that woman poured the ointment over Christ's feet to, to prepare him for his death, what did Judas say? Why the waste of this ointment? It could have been sold and given to the poor. So it's an overemphasis on the world in expense for worship for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what is happening in the West in our times, in a post-Christian society. We want to retain all the social virtues of Christ that he taught us without the worship of Jesus Christ and the cross that comes with fidelity to his teachings. Because the essence of the spirit of the Antichrist is a kingdom of this world. It's happiness here and now. And when push comes to shove, if suffering gets in your way, then you have to let go so that you can have your happiness at the moment. So you have a strong desire, a strong feeling, follow it. Something makes you suffer, get rid of it, take a pill. Unhappy in marriage, divorce, same-sex attraction, follow it. You don't like your body, change it. Lust, give in to it, it's natural. You don't want kids, contracept. You got a kid, abort. Tired, afraid, don't go to church. You're persecuted for your faith, tone it down. Don't stand out, be normal, look like everybody else so that you don't have to catch any flack. It's the temptation to deny the cross of fidelity to Christ and living for eternity in order to preserve my happiness in the present moment. The spirit of the Antichrist, and this is what's so important, it's not the worship of Satan, some guy with horns and a cane. It's the worship of man. It's an anthropocentric religion where the worship of man becomes more important than the worship of God. That's what it means to be spiritual but not religious. You have good ideals without the worship of the one from whom the ideals come. Because fidelity to Christ in this life demands sacrifice, a willingness to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, if that's what it takes to preserve my life for eternity. That's why the one great motto of many saints was death before mortal sin. There's nothing in this world that will make me deny Christ by sin. And that's was the, that was the essential problem of the book Silence. They sacrificed their fidelity to Christ to protect themselves from temporary suffering. And that's what Jesus Christ reveals in today's gospel, to be a satanic temptation. 
And it's really important that we understand this because I think that's one of the greatest temptations every one of us faces in our life from time to time. Because who in their right mind would ever want to see another human being suffering, especially those that we most love in our life? Our desire is always to protect what we love. But what's so scary is that Peter thought that he was loving Christ when he tried to protect him from going to the cross, from suffering. And yet Christ called him Satan because he was thinking like men do and not like God. And because of that, he was more obsessed with preserving temporal happiness than doing everything that he could to get souls to heaven. He didn't understand the kind of Messiah that Christ came to be. And why did Christ come to be a suffering Messiah? Because Christ's goal wasn't a kingdom of this world. That's the difference between Christ and the Antichrist. The Antichrist wants a kingdom of this world and will sacrifice whatever he can to make us happy here and now. Christ came not to abolish injustice, as hard as that sounds, or poverty, or corruption. He came to offer his life for our sins and manifest God's absolute love for us even unto death. And for that purpose, he needed that cross. The purpose of Christ was to manifest in his very body how far God's love goes for us. And Peter became an obstacle to that path because he tried to separate Christ from the cross. And what does that mean for us, for every one of our lives? That that should be our goal too. That's what the martyrs did. That's why every single Mass we celebrate the Mass on the relics of the martyrs on the altar. Because they express that total self-gift of Christ in their own bodies unto death. And that was a lesson that Peter himself had to learn at the end of his life. To stop running away from the cross. And to join Jesus Christ on it. That's why he ended his life crucified just like Christ. Except upside down. He didn't feel worthy to do the same. But that's our calling too. This is a real choice for every single one of us to understand this or not. Our vocation in life is to not make a perfect world, perfect family, perfect everything around. It's to embody absolute love in our flesh unto death. And that's exactly what our crosses offer us. The opportunity to love to the very end. That's what marriage is for. That's what children are for. That's what sicknesses are for. That's what persecutions are for. That's what mother-in-laws are for. We'd appreciate it. That's even, and people aren't going to like when I say this, that's even what our, our sins are for. If you think about it, Christ, how many times have you got on your knees and begged Christ for love of Him to take away the sins that you're struggling with, that you don't want in your life? And yet He allows us to struggle with it. Why? Because maybe He didn't come to make us a perfect utopia in ourselves either. But it's by our very struggling with our lower parts of our nature that we're becoming love. Little by little, like a child, we're learning to become a total gift. And it's a process. 
And it's a cross. And that's why Satan is the anti-cross, because he's anti-love. He's pure selfishness. And the satanic spirit is always self-preservation. That's why every time I feel inspired in my prayer to give a homily like this, I come out of my prayer and the first thing I do is erase all my notes. So I'm like, I'm not going there. And then I ask myself, why don't I want to go there? Well, I don't want to face the pushback. And so then Jesus looks at me and says, well, are you in this for yourself? Are you in it for my people? That's when I realized the reason that so many of us do not speak the truth as priests, it's out of self-preservation. And the only thing that can get me out of that is to learn to love my people more than myself, no matter what the consequences of that might be in the end. But it's a process for all of us to learn to love more than to preserve. We are living in a contraceptive culture. Not just in regards to procreation, but so many of the ways that we think and act in our times. The cross is reproductive. It causes a breakdown. But when we open ourselves up to the crosses in our life, it always gives birth to new life. The death leads to a resurrection. Satan, in his very essence, is contraceptive. Because his only goal is to cut us off from all the life and the beauty and the wonder and the goodness that God wants to bring through us if we allow ourselves to open up to Him. And that's the choice we have to make so often in our lives. Do I stay open or do I close myself off in the face of suffering? Do I take up my cross and learn to love? Or do I hide away in self-preservation? Let us not contracept all the potential that we have in our lives to become great. There is a resurrection after the death. There is life on the other side of the tomb. In every cocoon that we enter, there are wings waiting to be born. There is so much undiscovered country within our own hearts that can only be revealed through the cross when we enter into that mysterious passion death and resurrection with Christ. And just think about the times when you said yes to crosses in your life, when your whole being wanted to say no, to close off, but you said yes, you made the sacrifice. How much life and love came because of that? The world always offers us comfort. The devil always offers us comfort. But comfort can never transform us. We need a cross to become love. We need to lose our lives in order to find it again. Because that's what it's all about. That's the essence of the discipleship of Christ. To become love. To offer our entire bodies as a living sacrifice for the salvation of our souls and the souls of everyone entrusted to our care. Essentially, it means to become what we consume right here on this altar. I know what it's like to have Christ call you Satan. I, too, have stood in Peter's shoes and felt his rebukes. When I saw just how disregarded he is at times in the Holy Eucharist by priests, people who treat him like a normal piece of bread, 
and I resented him for that. Problem was, I didn't want a suffering Christ. I wanted a glorified and powerful Christ. And that's when I felt his eyes upon me, the same way he must have looked at Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You have yet to understand my mission on this earth. I did not come to be served. I did not come to be glorified. I came to humble myself and give myself to the very end for the love of my people. And that's when I began to understand the kind of God that I worship and what I must become if I'm going to follow him. I must take up my cross with him, deny myself, lose my life, and use all things, especially my suffering, to make of my life a gift, to embody his love in my flesh, until the moment when I can cry out with him, with all my being, in truth. This is my body, given up for you. That is our calling in Jesus Christ.